0: Today on the podcast, we're back with Dan Busby to share in part two of our series on tools and templates to revolutionize your board. Informing, encouraging, and supporting your church. You're listening to the Excellence in Church Administration podcast from ECFA. Well, hey everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Michael Martin from ECFA. We are back together once again, for both our church and ministry podcasts for part two to wrap up our series on practical tools and templates to help your board reach even greater levels of governance excellence. And joining me once again in studio is Dan Busby, president of ECFA and co-author of the latest resource from ECFA Press, ECFA Tools and Templates for Effective Board Governance. So Dan, welcome back to the podcast.
1: It's good to be with you, Michael. All
0: right. Well, let's just pick right back up where we left off on our last podcast. We had talked about 2019 as the year of excellence and governance here at ECFA and really just the phenomenal time that it has been watching boards grow and become better equipped. And we also began our discussion on board tools and templates with the importance of selecting and training excellent board members. We also talked about board self-assessment. So Dan, today, how about we turn to a couple of other really critical areas that you cover in tools and templates, and maybe starting with reporting to the board. Why is the right communication with the board so critical, and what are some practical ways that you think most CEOs, maybe senior pastors, or other
1: top leaders could improve in this area? Well, Michael, in the hallways of boardrooms, perhaps the most constant whine is we don't hear anything from our CEO or senior pastor in between board meetings. How can I steward this ministry if I'm not in the loop? But it isn't just the board members that whine. Leaders also whine, uh, such as my board runs the continuum. The micromanagers want a weekly report. Others don't want email. They just call when they have a question. Frankly, I don't really bless anyone. And so, yes, communication between the top leader of the church or the ministry and the board is is a challenge. The key is three things, I believe consistent number one number two clear and number three timely communication consistent clear and timely communication Um, at ecfa i've always operated with uh, with our board on the premise of no surprises (laughs) do not surprise your board so the key is do not over communicate to the board and do not under communicate to the board our tool number 10 in tools and templates, and, and by the way, these are downloadable tools and templates in Word form, so 22 key tools and templates downloadable in, in Word form that you can revise to fit your own church or your own ministry, um, but one of the concepts that we use in Tool 10 is a dashboard uh, report. Uh, we call it the 515 report, and the the concept is it takes Five minutes to read and 15 minutes to write the 515 report. I admit, sometimes I've cheated a little and taken a little more than 15 minutes to write that report. <laughs> Especially right. if you're an editor, right? <laughs> right? Right, If you're wordsmithing, that takes longer. Yeah. Um, but but I've used uh, this report. In fact, I need to get one out to my board within the next couple of days here at mid-month. I've used this report consistently for uh, for a long period of time and found it very helpful we also include in tools and templates tool number 11 which is the monthly dashboard report and that's really based on the smart goals of the CEO or the, the senior pastor and communicating the progress on the on the smart goals to uh, to the board and of course the smart goals generally stand for specific measurable achievable, realistic and time-related goals. Perfect, well hey, I think you nailed it. I think it is
0: really uh, tough sometimes to find that balance between over and under communication, but I like especially what you said about being consistent, being clear, being timely, especially on that consistency piece. If uh, the board comes to expect, the top leader comes to expect a certain level of communication, that's gonna be really helpful and I love that idea of the 515 report. Well, how about let's move on to another important area that we all know is also really critical. But I think um, this is just my assessment. I think sometimes it's hard to wrap our arms around as organizations and boards. So, Dan, what are some helpful tools that you can give us related to strategic planning? I guess that's where I was headed with that question is strategic planning Uh, seems like a really big topic. How can we put our arms around it?
1: Well, we have several uh, tools and templates in, in the book that relate to strategic planning. In fact, we have a total of 50 pages of, of material in this book about, about strategic planning. Probably more content on strategic planning than you'll find in any other uh, resource of its type. Uh, but we talk about the importance of assumptions. You know, in uh, Donald Rumsfeld's uh, recent book, Rumsfeld Rules, he describes a military planning meeting when he served as U.S. Secretary of Defense. The objective of the plan was straightforward enough to defend South Korean sovereignty and defeat the North Korean threat. But what he found troubling, however, was that there was no discussion of the key assumptions in which the plan was rooted. And so Rumsfeld dismissed the meeting and reconvened it the next Saturday. And that Saturday, they met for hours and never discussed any of the plans only the assumptions. And so so we have information about uh, assumptions for strategic plans, the process for the strategic plan and yes even information about why strategic plans fail. And and one of the nice features in tool 14 is what we call the strategic plan Placement um, and there, an organization can display in easy-to-read format its strategic plan. The the placemat is not the. F- first step in strategic planning it's the final step and if you came to ecfa's offices today you would find our strategic plan for the current year displayed in a wide graphic in our in our training room and uh, and you'll find smaller copies around the office we we believe in the rolling three-year strategic plan placement
0: Great. No, I was actually just going to ask that follow-up question, which was, you know, how many years is that going back? So we're really talking about setting out the vision for the current year, but then there's also this three-year window is what you're saying. Yes. Good. All right. Well, how about this? Uh, I know in in part five of there's the total of six uh, parts in tools and templates. Dan, I know that you and John address Policies, you also talk about board responsibilities, both of which are so critical to defining our roles, defining the scope of the work. Some of the different tools that we have there include job descriptions for the top leader and the board chair. We're asked about those uh, frequently here at ECFA, but then there's also um, the board policies manual. And I know that you are a a big proponent of the board policies manual, or we might call it a BPM, uh, that approach. What can you tell our listeners about this particular tool? for effective
1: governance. Well, Michael, while many churches and, and ministries have written policies covering a wide range of topics, they're often filed away incoherently in the archives and no one can find them when needed. So there are several options and approaches for creating. A Board Policies Manual, if you don't have one yet, um, John Pearson and I appreciate the simplicity and clarity of the Board Policies Manual template featured in the book Good Governance for Nonprofits, subtitled Deve- Developing Principles and Policies for an Effective Board by um, Christ followers Frederick Laughlin and Robert Andrega. Here's what Rich Stearns said when he was CEO at World Vision looking back at the development of world vision us's board policies manual rich said our attention to governance in general and the bpm in particular revolutionized our board and i feel that i am the greatest beneficiary i am still on a honeymoon with the board after after eight years and so using using a board policy manual um, and uh, updating it after every board meeting if there are changes in policies or new policies referring to it during the board meeting and designing board resolutions in reference to the board policy manual. So if we're going to um, add a new um, uh, policy to the board policies manual, the resolution might say, whereas uh, the following uh, resolution is intended for placement in in a certain section. Or if we're revising a policy, the resolution might say, "Uh, whereas the board desires to revise board policy uh, 83-2 um, resolved that the following um, resolution be adopted, and so we're we're referencing the board policy manual at all times to keep it up to date, up to date
0: and organized. Yes, <laughs> yes. which is something we could all probably use help with. And uh, on that note, one of the other things that I like about the board policies manuals, is this is really one of those practical tools that you don't have to be a big organization. Uh, To take advantage of this, but I think uh, organizations of all sizes can really benefit from having a board policies manual, Dan, for the reasons that you stated. Well, finally here, as we conclude uh, tools and templates, um, I know that in uh, the final part, there's some ideas for better governance, including uh, 10 minutes for governance. You talk about tent cards with strengths on them. Um, There's the board member annual affirmation statement and also straw vote cards. So maybe you can just, uh, I don't know, are you allowed to have favorites? Um, (laughs) I'm curious if there's a favorite of any of these
1: tools, and how have you seen them be helpful for boards? Well, that's challenging, Michael. You make me choose one. I'd like to talk about all of them, but in the <laughs> it'd be a very long In, in, the, in the interest <laughs> of time, I will just choose the board member annual affirmation statement. And so, so this is a statement that, um, and of course, we have a template that you can download and customize for your own purposes. That that a that each board member signs at the beginning of each year, even though they maybe have a multi-year uh, term, but they sign it at the beginning of, the, of each year, and it provides clarity as far as the expectations of the of the church or the ministry. In relationship to the board member, for example, um, it it may say under the governance hat. Uh, the sample in the book we have. Uh, we have elements under the governance hat, the volunteer hat, and the participant hat. Um, it may say, um, "I affirm, I'm highly committed to attending the scheduled meeting of the boards, etc." Well, so that puts the the, the board member on um, you know, on record as to that anticipation. But here here is one that I think is especially helpful, um, maybe more so for ministries than churches, but. Um, And it says I affirm that during my term on the board, I will arrange my giving priorities so that I'm able to be a generous giver to XYZ ministry, recognizing that major donors foundation and other donors have the expectation that XYZ ministries board of directors will be part of the most highly committed group of donors. Um, so so that means generous giving uh, doesn't require a wealthy board member. It, it just requires um, setting giving as a priority. One of the complaints that we hear from board members over and over is that once they got on the board of a nonprofit ministry, then they found out that they're expected to give a certain amount of money. And if they'd have known that before they accepted, they probably wouldn't have come on the board.
0: Hmm. Well, now I can really see why you chose that one. And uh, I think it just expectations are so important. Uh, We talked about communications, expectations, all those things are going to go a long way uh, in helping our boards. Well, Dan, thanks again for taking time to be with us today, especially as you have that 515 report coming due. I know that's probably the first place you're going (laughs) to run.
1: I've got to get on. I've got to get on.
0: (laughs) So these are these are some really great insights. But seriously, on behalf of all of us who have been impacted in 2019 by this year of excellence and governance, just a sincere thank you for the vision and all the hard work, uh, Dan, to make it possible. Everything from the books and the resources to the eight regional forums across the country. I really believe that we've just started a ripple effect that is only going to continue for years to come. Well, and to all of our listeners as well, you can get your hands on the new ECFA tools and templates for effective board governance book on amazon.com. What a great way uh, to start out the upcoming new year with some new tools to transform your board and your ministry. Well, that's all for today's podcast. We are so grateful again that you've joined us and look forward to being back with you soon for another ECFA podcast.